about that this week, you know, if we can say to the mountains to move, what are the mountains in your life that need to move? Mountains of worry, perhaps, mountains of feeling hopeless, relational mountains, financial mountains in faith. We can say to those things that are blocking our progress and stopping us moving beyond where we are to move. So we're called to be a mountain moving people. And I wonder if some of us are in that stuck place. And this is an opportunity to move and to to get out of that place and to call on those things that are stopping us to move. Um, she also, it, it also made me think about, you know, yes, we can say to the mountain to move, but so that requires us often to take a step, to do something, maybe to start a conversation with someone that's difficult, you know, to, to just lay something down. We need to take action to see these mountains move and to get out of those stuck places. And Andrea also shared with us about being a mountain-taking people, and she read from Joshua chapter 14, and this was Caleb um, in verse 10. Now then, just as the Lord had promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since that time he said to Moses, while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord has promised me that day. Give me this mountain. And um, she was talking about what are the mountains that have been promised to you, maybe your homes and your places of work. She talked about places of influence, education, medicine, you know, wherever you are, what are the mountains that God is calling you to take, to possess as a blessing for him? And God will show us what they are. But Andrea spoke of three specific mountains for us as a church, for as a community. And the first one was the mountain of people coming to Christ. Um, I was thinking I could call it the mountain of salvation. You know, seeing lives touched. Um, it takes courage to share our faith. It takes courage to share our story. And um, she talked about a church that says it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you believe, but God wants to meet with you. So I did think of our strap line, you know, come as you are. So God um, is calling us to move mountains of seeing people coming to faith, of seeing salvation. And one of the guys at the National Leaders Conference was talking about that radical salvation um, and people coming to faith. And I've just been praying that on and off this year. And so when she said that, I was like, yes. And the second mountain, she said, was mountain of supernatural breakthroughs. And what would it look like to possess that mountain? And um, that amazing story she told of the counseling center on the Isle of Skye, the lady waiting 40 years for her to show up. And, say, and she said, here's the keys. I've been waiting for you. God told me to build this. It was incredible. And then asking ourselves, what are the places that God has prepared for us, even in this time, in this place, to claim as our inheritance for his glory? And thirdly, the mountain of signs and wonders following the preaching of the word. You know, preaching and teaching of a God who loves us, who wants to reach out to us, who wants to see the brokenhearted set free, and that love and power demonstrated in our lives. And um, God is speaking to us about mountains, you know, the ones that are to be moved and the ones that we are to take. Um, salvation, places of inheritance. And I loved how Andrea prayed. You know, it starts with surrender. It starts with saying yes. Then it starts to receiving God's love and power. And then it's about reaching out. 
So I do believe that God really imparted something to us last week, a new anointing. Um, and I just feel excited because already we're hearing what he's doing as a result of that. So I just wanted to ask a couple people to share um, personally for them. So I'm going to ask Diane to come up if that's okay. It's getting to be a habit of twice now, what's happening. Um, I had shared with Chantelle and she asked me to share with you what, what happened for me last Sunday. Um, for those of you who haven't heard me sharing before, I'm the person who has a big mountain of doubt and a big mountain of void, of not feeling, of not being able to connect with God very well anymore. And it, it's draining and it's tiring and it's exhausting. And I've been sharing about how I just thought, well, I'm just going to keep showing up to church. I'm just going to keep trying. I'm just going to keep connecting regardless. I'm going to um, keep going. I have all these issues and things in my head and what gay rights and all these things. And I just struggle, struggle, struggle. But last Sunday, I just felt like, well, that's my mountain. It's this big, horrible mess of <laughs> thoughts and numbness and struggles, and it's, it's all there. And I, I just thought, why am I carrying this round? Why am I doing this? This is daft. And uh, Mel was singing with her. I'm so proud of you, Mel, singing with <laughs> after your throat was gone. But she was singing the song, It Is Well. And I'd been listening to that song for a long time. But on Sunday morning, the song really came alive. And it was the verse two, far be it from me not to believe, even when my eyes can't see. And I thought, that's my mountain. I struggle to believe, but my eyes can't see. But it was the next bit, and this mountain that's in front of me will be thrown into the midst of the sea. And it's just like it can be gone. You don't have to labor with that. And then you repeated that verse, Mel, I don't know if you, you did, but it just let me really take it in. And for a change, I just sat and drank in the ministry of those words. And the next bit, so let go my soul and trust in him. The waves and winds fill me his name. And for me, that was really big because the bit that I've been able to hold on to through all my doubt is nature. The waves and the wind and the beach and the mountaintops have always spoke to me no matter how far I have felt from believing. I've never been able to walk away because of the beauty of, of all of that. And so this, this week, I've just kept listening to this song and other ones from the worship team. And instead of just being passive, I've just been receiving then and listening in the car. And um, we had a really, I don't, I don't like to annoy people by talking about God. This is, this is all this doubt void thing. But in work, I had a really difficult situation. There's lots of tensions and a falling out. And even though we were trying to fix it, it was getting worse. And instead of hiding what I was thinking and what God was showing to me, I was able to speak with my boss, who's my colleague, who's my friend as well. But we were really struggling and we were beginning to get a wee bit bitter. We were beginning to badmouth, you know, this, this other team and our team. And I just said to her, you know, church on Sunday really helped me because I just realized I need to just stop and be with God. And it really helped me to de-stress. And it also really helped me to think about my attitude. And I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go down the line of being angry. I'm going to love and I know that's why I need to come to church and I need God and I need to be with you people and I need to have people challenge me because I know that life is better with God and you're a better person for it and you don't get full of hate and you don't make things worse, you make things better by showing love. So, And then just this morning, I don't know, the, the verse, be still and know that I'm God, a friend of mine posted it, but I don't know if this is accurate. She said apparently the original Hebrew or something for <laughs> be still is actually let go. You know, it's not about being quiet. And I thought, for me, that's what it is. Let go my soul and trust in him. 
It really doesn't matter what I believe. He doesn't change. He's there. Over the side of the mountain, the beach is still there. <laughs> you know. So um, I just want to thank the worship team for last week because it was what Andrea said plus the ministry of, of, of the worship team that really got through my heart. Um, and I was just really thankful for it. Thank you so much, Diane. That was so amazing, thank you. And um, you know that mountain of salvation and seeing people come to faith on Sunday, someone at church did give their life to God last Sunday. You know, Andrea just declared that and said it, and also Andrea's going to come and share something about that as well. Thanks. I'm just trying not to cry, so bear <laughs> please bear with me. Diane, that was so great, what you shared there. Um, I stood up here a few months ago to tell a bit of a story, and I'm so delighted to be able to tell you another bit of that story. So the story was we were launching Alpha, and it was a girl that I was working with um, at the time. Had been just We'd just been having little chats on a Monday morning. What are, you know, what were you doing at the weekend? And I would be sending such and such about church, and she just... You know, God just shone a light on her, and I just knew that her heart was open a little bit. And so we just began having small conversations, no big massive testimonies on my part, nothing like that at all. And then when we were um, launching Alpha, I just really felt prompted to ask her, and I actually ended up going around to see her. And remember, I told the story, if you were here that day, and I said, look, how do you feel about Alpha? And, you know, immediately, I was building myself up to this big, explanation and she's like yeah do you know what I heard about that and I actually think this would be so great for me so that was the story that I told I shared it with my life group which was Paul's group at the time so everybody here that was in that group I know you're just gonna love what I'm about to say next so after last weekend I was just when Andrea was talking about the mountain of salvation it is something that God's really been speaking to me about a lot in the last while and um like I was really, is this me? Of course, over after the weekend, I could hardly sleep. And so about 11 o'clock on Monday night, I was like, right, I've been sort of getting ready to try and get a good night's sleep, which I had not had the last two nights. And then my phone buzzed and it was my friend. And she said, Andrea, I just want to tell you that tonight at Alpha, I give my life to God. So I know, yeah. <laughs> so I, I actually jumped up off the sofa and I was Dad, I was like, oh my goodness. I'm like, I, could, I, I ended up staying in the living room until about one o'clock in the morning, just praying and just worshiping God, just so thankful that this has happened. And I spoke to Elaine, and she, you know, she led her to the Lord, which is just such a special thing. And we should never underestimate Alpha. And do you know what? I've just thought about this. It's just the power of the invitation. Um, you know, we, this mountain of salvation, you know, give me this mountain because it's there for the taking. You don't even have to look very far for it. You know, it's there, it's where we work, it's our families, it's our homes, it's our streets, it's everywhere we are all of the time, and that is what we are called for. We are called for moving the mountain of salvation. And so I just was so, oh my goodness, I was just so blown away by her text. I couldn't, I honestly, I couldn't believe it, and I was sort of annoyed with myself. It's not that I doubted that this would happen, but it actually did happen. And she's really happy, and I've um, texted her during the week, and she's just having a great week, and I can't wait to see her at work. Um, so if you could just pray for her and her family, that would just be amazing. And you know, it's just, we sang a line in the song earlier about open up our hearts and let the healer set me free. 
know, sometimes we think of salvation, everybody's closed, nobody and everyone's hardened to the gospel, but actually people aren't. People's hearts are open, there's little cracks. People are asking questions, people are wondering. One of the things my friend kept saying to me when we were talking, she goes, there must be more, there must be more, there must be a purpose for my life. And there's a purpose to everyone's life, and we're the ones that God has sent to help them find their purpose. Thank you. Yeah. So we're just so grateful for what God's doing in our community and in our lives and in our church. So Paul's just going to come and share a wee bit more about that. I've noticed um, the light on this microphone is flashing. Does that mean the battery's running low? Um, could you maybe organize things? That'd be tremendous. Um, so uh, is there anyone here right here, right now, wants to become a Christian. No pressure in front of everyone. <laughs> right here, right now. If you are here this morning, you are not a Christian, and you'd like to give your yes to Jesus, you'd like to become a Christian right here in front of everyone, not going to make it easy for you at all, would you like to stand to your feet? That's okay. Great. So, um, I just want to take things on from last week and uh, just begin to carry on the story about mountains. And, um, you know, Andrea really had me right at the very beginning. It was just like, mountains, I'm your man. Fantastic. So, I want to just begin. I'm going to take about five minutes, a bit of self-indulgence, and then uh, some Bible teaching, which is always good in church. And uh, then we're going to see what the Lord wants to do. So, um, I've got a map for you, or it's more an image, and uh, it's of the most famous mountain in the world. It's Mount Everest, and uh, I know a bit about it, and I've watched lots of documentaries, and I've read lots of stuff about it. There could well be some people in the room that know more than me, and so if I say anything that's wrong, uh, correct me afterwards. But um, I don't know how much you know about this incredible mountain except for the fact that it's 25,000 feet in height or in meters, 8,848 meters. Uh, I've met three people that have uh, climbed Mount Everest and one of them, I heard their story right here on this stage. There was the youngest female, British female, at the age of like 22, she climbed Everest. Uh, it was absolutely incredible. And I just wanted to share with you, in case you didn't know this, you can't just rock up at the base camp, which is 5,334 meters, and then just the next day decide to climb the mountain. It's just not physically possible. And anyone who attempts this mammoth feat uh, actually takes about eight to 10 weeks actually climbing the mountain. So you arrive about eight to 10 weeks before actually uh, summit attempt and the reason being your body physiologically has to adapt to the conditions because of the oxygenation levels at base camp it is said to be the oxygen levels are 50 percent the oxygen levels at sea level which is pretty much where we are right here and on the very top of mount everest 
is said to be about 33% oxygen levels to what it is here. And so what happens is the body takes time to acclimatize to the new norm. And all the time, red blood cells are increasing in, in terms of uh, the body just naturally produces that your whole respiratory system just adapts and acclimatizes. But as well as that, what happens is you can see that there's base camp, camp one, two, three, four, and then the summit. And in all of those, there are, they are actually camps. And what happens is climbers who go, usually accompanied by local, uh, local men, I don't know if there are any women, uh, called Sherpas, and they're usually Nepalese uh, nationals, and they're very much acclimatized to the altitude, the high altitude. And they will go to each of the camps. And often what they're doing is they are taking tents, they're taking bottles of oxygen, they're taking food and supplies, they're fixing ropes and fixing ladders and getting things prepared. And what happens then is someone who pays maybe 25,000 plus pounds or dollars to actually attempt this climb through, uh, through one of these companies that offers it, is they will go to camp one and they'll stay over and then the next day they'll come down. And then maybe a week or so later, they'll go to camp one, maybe camp two. And then they'll come down to camp one and back to the base camp. And this is what they continually do. Up, 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 down, 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 up, up, down, down, up, 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 down, until eight to ten weeks. And then they go for it. If the weather is good and there's only maybe just a few days in the whole year that someone or a group of people is able to make a summit attempt. It's extremely technical and well-planned and well thought through and takes great uh, determination and courage. Why am I sharing this with you? I think so much of it is a picture, an analogy for our spiritual lives. If we're to take the mountain, it's usually a number of steps that are required. It's usually a journey that takes time of acclimatizing to the new norm. Some of you, as I look out, I know that you're in a transitional state of life right now. There's a change that's occurred or occurring in life right now. And the important point is this. You need to break camp. There's no, there's no point staying in camp because you're not going to climb the mountain. You're not going to take the mountain. You might have heard this expression before. You don't know what's around the corner until you go to the bend. And it requires a stepping out. It requires actually beginning to move forward in the very direction that you sense God has called you to. It's important that you do take those first steps. So for example, there's someone in our church community right now e emailed me and basically said, um, they had decided to go to their boss and ask them, could they start a prayer meeting in their workplace? And, they, and the boss said, yeah, that would be fine, and emailed the whole staff telling them and inviting them to it. That's taking a step in the workplace situation. We have a family who have just recently moved over from England. You are extremely welcome. And... Um, you're bound to get to know them. I just sense that many of you will get to meet these guys. They've just simply up sticks. They've heard the Lord and they've obeyed his voice 
and of all places to move to, they've come to Carrickfergus. And a part of, a big part, I think, of their decision was to journey life with us as a church. That's a massive step that they've made. They've broken camp and they've come. There's someone in our church right now who's journeyed lots of their own personal pain and is now using what has happened in their life for his good and his glory. They're beginning to take the mountain, which was something that needed to move in their life, and now they're using it to help empower other people as well. We begin to take steps. We gain ground. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And often, um, to gain ground, we need to uh, break camp and go again. There's a military term, I think it's a military term, called this, uh, retreat to advance. And often, actually, there are times in our lives when we need to just take a camp, just take a rest before we can go again and before we can go to the next level. And I just think for many of us, that's where we are. And I certainly feel that this is a pivotal moment in the life of our church. Last week certainly felt like that, didn't it? Those of us who are here, it just felt different. It just felt like God deposited something in us in that moment. And we are called as a people to move and to move higher and to move forwards and not to just simply stay where we are. I'm going to share at the very end of this uh, just a few things about where we are as a church right now. But before I do that, I'm going to whiz through, we're going to have to whiz through it now, uh, through uh, just some Bible teaching. There are loads and loads of examples of mountains in the Bible, and loads and loads of events that took place. And one of them, I've never taught on this before, um, is, uh, is from 1 Kings 18. And uh, this retells a story uh, for, of Elijah who battles against uh, the prophets, uh, the false prophets of Baal. And uh, this is during a, a period of history, a bad period of history uh, within Israel's uh, history. And uh, they have not had any rain for three and a half years. God has brought judgment to the people of God simply because they have turned their back And uh, thank you. Ah, wasn't that good? That was like a pit stop, wasn't it, in Formula One? <laughs> My goodness, stop the clock. That was a 6.2 seconder. Well done. <laughs> this is a poor time in their history, and the people of God are turning away from God, and they're turning to this false God. They're turning to idolatry as the king leads them that direction. And Jezebel, at her command, is killing all of God's prophets, except for one who's called Elijah. We pick up the story. We're 1 Kings 18, 16. Now, I'm going to read this. I really want you to try and read along with it. I'm going to try and be as dramatic as I possibly can, even though I don't like acting, just to try and help us to try and stay the course so that we understand the story and everything that's going on. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, 
Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel. They're going to have a battle. They're bringing it to the mountain. Summon. Get the guys together. We're going to have a showdown on the mountain of Carmel. Bring with you the 450 prophets of Baal. I'm going to take them on. The 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. It's like, make your mind up, guys. Either you're going to choose to follow God with all of your heart or choose to follow whatever else it is that's occupying our lives. In this instance, the idolatry was to worship the false gods. The people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal prophets choose one for themselves. Let them cut it into pieces, cut it on the, put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. They're going to have a bull off. <laughs> Come on. Let's get a couple of bulls in. You choose. Either this one or this one. You get first dibs. We're going to have a bull off on the mountain. You've got your 450 prophets. I'm on my Todd. You choose. Which one do you want? The fat, hairy one with the big horns or the one who's slightly skinny? You choose who's it going to be. Then Elijah, then, the, then God, who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. Good idea. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls, prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull that was given to them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar. This is what they did. They danced around the altar. <laughs> like a chicken. The God who answered, I've got it somehow to kind of keep you. Like if I'm reading stuff and my brain switches on, I'm off. I'm trying to kind of keep you on the page here. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. This is brilliant. This is really good. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or on the way to the shops traveling. Maybe he's sleeping, must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. That is just nuts. At that point, I'm out. I'm with Elijah at that point. What on earth are you doing? Midday passed, and they were continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. 
Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar, the name of the Lord. He dug a trench round it, large enough to hold two seers of seeds. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, laid it onto the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water, pour it on the offering on the wood. Do it again, he said. They did again. Do it a third time. We've got 12 large jars of water all over the bull, all over the wood. If it was me, I'd be putting paraffin on it. I'd be putting petrol on it. Just, just the, he puts water all over it. The time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah steps forward, prays, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, this is how they responded. They fell, prostrate, and cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Elijah, leading the people of Israel against the false gods on the mountain. The mountain needed to be taken. And this mountain was idolatry. And we could uh, substitute in that so many things for ourselves. It could be uh, the obvious stuff of ourselves, worshipping ourselves. It could be shopping, cars, power, sexual promiscuity, addiction, relationship. But it could also be some of those other things in our lives that we put before the Lord, such as fear, anxiety, comparison, stubbornness, and pride. Speak to that mountain and tell it to move. Tell it to go. It has no place in our lives. I love how the people responded at the end, that they sensed the presence of God in their midst as we sensed the presence of God in our midst last week, in our week, and again this morning. As we sense his presence, often we find ourselves face down in worship. Some people, uh, as they were being prayed for last week, fell to the ground. And uh, just briefly on that, I don't want to go into too much detail right now. Um, sometimes it just happens. It's a, it's a phenomenon. It is a, uh, a response to what the presence of God in someone's life is. Personally, I've never experienced that. But personally, I've prayed for many people and I've seen that uh, happen. If when you see that or you experience that and you're looking at that going, goodness, that's interesting. Uh, and you're confused about that then again, talk to someone that you think might know, or why don't you go and ask the person afterwards? It's like, what are you doing on the deck? <laughs> are, are you a bit tired, mate? Did you just need a wee rest? And then hopefully they'll just begin to explain. Because the thing is this, 
the physical manifestation is just byproduct of what God's doing on the inside. And that is the important thing. Don't get distracted by that stuff. It's always about what God is up to on the inside of us. Now that the idols were cleared, the enemy was defeated, the prophets of Baal were defeated, God had dramatically presenced himself in front of these false gods. The people of Israel had the chance to repent. They had the chance to worship uh, him, the true God. And Elijah uh, goes on and prays for the rain. So we're on to the second part, if we can. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is the sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he tells his servant. And he went up there and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. The seventh time, the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, a heavy rainstorm came on, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Remember, the people of Israel, this nation, have not had any rain for three and a half years. There is drought and there is a desperate need for the rains to fall. It came as judgment to the people of God because of their idolatry, because they had gone away from God himself. And this incredible encounter's happened where Elijah has just praised before the Lord and God has burnt up his offering of the bull with all the water all over it. He sent Ahab off to go get a drink and get some food, but he goes to the very top of the mountain, to the very peak of Mount Carmel. And on that place goes before the Lord. Seven times he prays. Seven times he's asking the Lord, send the rain, send the rain. And each time he prays, he sends a servant away from him, away from the, the peak of the mountain to look towards the Mediterranean, to look to the sea, is the cloud, ah, the, is the rain coming? And on the seventh time, he reports a cloud the size of your hand. And at that moment, Elijah knows that his prayers have been answered. That God has turned and he's going to bring the rains. He's going to send the rains. The points I want to make on this will come into land. Elijah persists in prayer. He doesn't give up. And the question I have for you is what are you contending for? What is your mountain that God has spoken to you about? What is the mountain of the Lord that he's inviting you to take and to continue to contend before the Lord for it? Uh, a number of us have read the book, you all have heard it mentioned before, The Circle Maker. And this story is highlighted in there. And he says, you're perhaps one prayer away from seeing the breakthrough that you're looking for, that you're longing for, that you're praying for. 
And my encouragement to you is if the Lord has spoken to you about something that he's wanting to do in your life or through your life, is to continue to bring it before the Lord. Contend for it. Keep pushing the doors. Keep knocking on the door of heaven. And it's a reminder, what dream is it that you need to rekindle? What promise do you need to reclaim and resurrect? Remind God of it and keep asking him for it. What are the mountains that God has spoken to us about as a church? We say yes to the things Andrea brought last week. We say yes to salvation. We say yes to spiritual breakthrough, to signs and wonders. Yes and amen to those things that God has for us. We are a place of hope and we say come as you are. And we are seeing more and more in all of our gatherings, people of all kinds of backgrounds gathered to us. And it's incredibly exciting. And we say yes and amen to those things and to those people. I remind you of words that we've had in the past, pictures which people have given us about waves breaking in at the shore near the castle. This is in a spiritual sense. And seeing the blessing and the favor of God coming to our town, seeing lives transformed and people set free. We say yes to uh, going and contending after the whole area of mental health and emotional health and well-being within our town. We say yes to a generation of fatherlessness, that they would find hope and that they would find family within God's family here with us. We say yes and contend for peace within our community. Oh God, would we have peace. Oh, as we approach the season which we know is coming upon us, and we're not talking about the weather season, that we would have peace in our heart, in, in our town, in our communities. We say yes to, uh, to new business and finance and innovation, that we would be at the forefront of creating a kingdom dynamic in that, that would bring prosperity in the right sense of the word. Don't hear me. Uh, I'm not about to put the white suit on. Um, sorry, that's bad. Um, I just wanted Malcolm to laugh a second time, really. <laughs> that is naughty. I shouldn't have said that bit. Uh, delete that from the tape. Uh, we don't have tapes anymore, do we? Delete it, delete it, edit, edit. Matt, tomorrow morning, edit. Um, they're just some. Remember our town's motto? The translation of the Latin, which I can't pronounce in Latin, it's the glory of the old made new. Let's remind ourselves again, folks, this is, this is our town. This is our place, the glory of the old made new. Lastly, part of taking the mountain is about taking ground, physical ground. And I want to take two minutes and just talk about buildings. Um, the building which is now a site that we have contended for. It's the old Woodsides building, the, the supermarket. Uh, sold to a developer uh, some time ago, and it's just been laid, laid vacant for, for a long time now. And uh, soon, well, this is what we've heard, this is the recent that we've heard on it, is that in a number of weeks, developers are going to move in and start building social housing on that site, which will be fantastic and will be wonderful for uh, people in our community that need that, absolutely. 
that was our sight, we felt. That was our dream. Sorry, I clarify. That was our dream. We contended for that. Many of you won't know this, but I'm going to tell you now. We put in a cheeky offer on it uh, years ago. Uh, it was a really cheeky offer because it was all we could afford, really. And even that, we couldn't afford it. It's, it is what it is. And uh, we've prayed. I tell you what, I don't think I've ever prayed more for something than that. But that's that. We've got to believe that God has something else, right? That's the, that's the long-term Sunday thing. You're really attentive right now. I have to say, your eyes are on me in a way that I have not seen in a long time. What else could I say? This is really... Talk about buildings every week. So, uh, so anyway, that, that is that. Um, and our, our long-term goal would be a place of our own, a space of our own that we could call home. We could do uh, this church and we could do everything else that we do together all of the time. Okay? So that's that. We have a saving fund for that, by the way. It's got about £25,000 in it, which is okay. But it's going to need a few zeros on the end of that or a, a good bit more added to that. Um, this space that we have has worked really well for us and continues to work really well for us. Many of you will know that the school, as of the summer, will no longer be Carrick Fergus College. It is uh, joining partnership with Downshire uh, School and together will become Carrick Fergus Academy and they'll be split over the two sites. Uh, we have uh, approved by the Interim Board of Governors uh, secured this space for at least another full year. Our hope would be that that would then continue again. This space works really well for us. It is financially uh, really, uh, really good and works and we're able to afford it. And uh, also just from a prominence in terms of the town and the spaces that we have and all the other bits and bobs, things like car parking, it works really well. So we have it for at least another full year and uh, we hope that, that onwards we would have that as well. Last thing, our um, buildings that we use in Carrick Fergus, uh, one of them, the older one, um, is up for renewal in terms of uh, the rent and uh, we, and uh, I think talking from a number of folks, have just sensed for a while now it's time for a move. It's time for a change, uh, for something that is bigger that allows us uh, more space and um, if we're really honest, uh, just a bit nicer um, in terms of um, just the, the surroundings, the heat. I'll be honest with you, this winter's been pretty miserable as a workplace, uh, just that it's been pretty cold obviously, but just something that's uh, just a bit fresher, I guess, is a, is a good way to describe it. And so, Currently, I would love to tell you, but I can't tell you, uh, the leaders of the church, together with the uh, board of directors, are exploring uh, some options right now. And I'm just asking you right now to be prayerful for that. And as soon as we know and we have more information that's a bit more, a lot more concrete, then we would love to share that with you. 
and we will certainly invite you into that story. Um, I'm sure that what I've just said coming into land will lead you to questions. And if it does, uh, Steve Fugard, who's sitting at the back, would love to answer all of them for you. And uh, he, uh, that's right. <laughs> uh, by all means, please talk to me about it. Uh, you can do that. You can talk to Ivan Skinner, who's here. He's on our board. Uh, Laura Farrell, I don't see her this morning. She's also on our board. And uh, you can ask us questions on that. And we will do our very best to do that. But it's exciting. I hope that that has filled you with a bit of excitement at least and uh, listening to part of our journey and what we have going <coughs> forwards. And I've overran massively on time. You can nod your head, but it was all the other people earlier that took my time. <laughs> I mean, their stories were pretty good, but, you know, <laughs> they were very good indeed. <coughs> Folks, let's stand, please. <coughs>